Take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms, the 103rd Psalm. I um, had somebody meet me in the hallway tonight, and they was talking about having a pity party. And of course, you know, we had to stop having pity parties because nobody would come. So anyway, I want to explain a few things to you on some things that are just plain pitiful. Have you ever seen somebody that's really pitiful? Have you ever listened to somebody that really sounded pitiful? When it seems like, you know, their whole world is crashing down around them and they don't have anything to live for or on or with and just, it's just a bad day. Some days, just not your day. In the 103rd Psalm, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, if you only had that one verse, that's a pretty good verse in the Bible. If there was no other verses in the Bible, that, that's the Bible. That's a pretty good verse in the Bible. Just bless the Lord, O my soul. Look in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. One of the statements that I mentioned to those in ranch last night was, what if, what if, tomorrow you only had what you gave thanks to the Lord for today? Would you have anything tomorrow? You know, a lot of people, they are just... They're not thankful. They're not grateful. Did you know a lot of your peace of mind and happiness is learning to be content with what God's done for you and what he is doing? And a lot of people just don't have peace of mind. Their mind is in pieces. But to understand that if tomorrow came and you only had what you were thankful for today, you know, you may not have much tomorrow. Because sometimes... People focus only upon all those bad things that happens to them, and they forget the goodness of God. You know, the Bible talks about, even in the book of Romans in chapter 2, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God is what causes a man to change his mind. The goodness of God, if you really think about it, can cause a person to want to serve the Lord after he trusts Christ as Savior. But whenever you don't see the right thing, you don't want to do the right thing. It's just how it works. But look what he says here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget. We are so easy to forget the things that God has done for us. And then he says in verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. You know, we got the first part of that right now. Who forgiveth all of our sins. You know, God has forgiven me of everything I've ever done wrong. And there's quite a few things. Probably not as much as yours, no. Remember one time I preached a sermon on my sin worse than your sin. Bet, no, my sin's better than your sin. <laughs> well, I, I can't remember the whole sermon, but I mean, it was along that line. I guess it depends a lot on your perspective. But it says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. If God forgives you, that means he can't hold it against you. It means that you can be justified, just as if you'd never done anything wrong. 
Did you know that God forgiving you of all your sins is eternal security? Because it's eternally forgiven. You know, once he forgives you of a sin, he can't bring it up again. And if he forgives me of all my sins, then I am eternally secure. Well, right? Of course. Now, one of these days, I'm literally going to get my new body. So I will, one day, be totally healed from all the diseases of this world. God's going to give me a new body. You remember this morning when I mentioned to you about me talking to a couple and telling them the little story about, you know, dying when they were 85 and they could have been there 10 years earlier? What we, me and Betty were sitting there talking with Mr. and Mrs. Paulson. And then when I finished saying that, you know, we could have been there 10 years earlier, Betty just nice and calmly just looks at me and she says, you want to go now? <laughs> I, I really didn't understand how to take that. So I just made no comment whatsoever. Mrs. Paulson came unglued and just laughed. So anyway, I'm going to stick around just for a little bit more so I can antagonize somebody else for a change. But he says in verse 4, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Boy, don't that sound just like all kind of good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. And yet if you focus on the bad things, You'll be down in the dumps. You know, the best way to stay out of the dump is just don't go to the dump. You know where the Long Ranger took his garbage? To the dump, to the dump, to the dump, 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 to the dump. Oh, well, we'll move right along. I don't think y'all appreciates all the little jewels that I give y'all. In verse 8, look in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, aren't you glad? Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, aren't you glad? And then he says in verse 12, For as the east is far from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He takes them away. You mean all those bad things that I did that would keep me from the presence of God have all been removed. And by faith in what he did on the cross for me, I have eternal life and I get to go to heaven when I die. Boy, that, that's good news. So do I have anything to be thankful for? I can thank the Lord for a lot of things this very day. Now, there's always a few things that happens that we don't like and we don't want to repeat of them. But there's enough to be thankful to the Lord for. Otherwise, you'll focus on all the bad things that are going on and you'd be surprised how pitiful you can be. Uh, look what he says here in verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. In other words, for a father that has compassion. There's a little cross between the word pity and piety. Talking about feeling someone else's hurt within you, especially when you see someone else in such tragedy and distress 
And sometimes there's not much you might be able to do. And so you, you pity them. You wish that they weren't going through what they're going through. You wish you could stop them from hurting. And sometimes you can't stop people from hurting. And some people just have to go through it. I, I wish I could always wave a magic wand and take away all the hurt and pain that people go through. But it doesn't really work that way. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Job. The book of Job. Job in chapter 19. Job chapter 19. Now Job, as you know, had a, well, he had a problem. He had a real bad problem. And one of the main problems was that God didn't tell him what he was doing with him. You see, Job was trying to serve the Lord and do everything right that he knew. But there was a devil. And the Lord, I guess the Lord was kind of proud of, of Job. And he wanted to, you know, kind of stick it to the old devil. And, and it was the Lord who initiated a confrontation. He says, have you, um, and he's talking to the devil. He said, have you considered my servant um, Job? The devil says, yeah, but I can't get at him because you put a hedge about him and you didn't prosper everything he does. Whatever he does, he, he prospers and I can't get to him. He says, but if you take away that hedge and let me get at him and take away his things from him, he'll curse you. You see, God wants us to be tested. God wants to prove to the devil that he has somebody that loves him more than the things that they have. In other words, not just the gift that we receive from him, but we love him. Even if he took away everything else that you have, would you still love the Lord? So God, at times, will allow the devil to take away everything that you have to see whether or not do you really love him more than those things that he gave to you. And to see whether or not are you going to curse God? Are you going to maintain your integrity? Are you for sale? Well, anyway, as you know the story, things went pretty bad. And Job lost a lot of stuff. He lost ten children in one day. He lost all of his health. He lost his wealth. He, he lost it all. And I guess you could say that, well, did God pity him? God didn't even pity Job. God saw what Job was going through, and even God didn't pity the man. But that's okay. Maybe His wife did, though, huh? No, no, his wife didn't even give him a pity party. She just told him, says, why don't you just curse God and die? So she wouldn't have a pity party for him either. Well, what about his friends? Well, his friends that he had, they wouldn't have a pity party for him either. They wouldn't come. Well, what about his relatives, all of his relatives? No, they, they, they wouldn't throw a party for him either. I mean, here's Job with not a friend. And nobody seems to care what he was going through. Oh, he had some three wise guys, some so-called friends that tried to tell him, you know, Job, the reason you're going through this is because you got sin in your life. You're living a wicked life, but nobody knows it. But God doesn't. He's chastening you. He's getting you. Why don't you just come clean, Job, and confess everything to God, and everything will be all right. Job says, I haven't done that. It's not the truth. And Job even got to where he cursed the day he was born. He wouldn't curse God, but he cursed the day he was born. 
You ought to read the whole book of Job one day. But look what it says in verse 1. Then Job answered and it says, How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have you reproached me. You're not ashamed that you made yourself strange to me. And be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with myself. If I have done wrong, you don't know what it is, and nobody else has. And he says, I don't know of anything that I've done to cause all these things that have happened to me. You know, sometimes in your life, something happens. First thing you do is, I wonder what I did wrong. You know, maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe there's a God in heaven who wants to see whether or not do you love him, or are you going to curse him? Do you question and doubt the provision of God? He takes away your job. He can take away your health. And if God does all those things, what do you think about God now? It's so easy to think that the sweetest things about the Lord when everything is going good. So now I want you to look there in verse 13. He hath put my brethren far from me. Mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My brethren, no pity there. In verse 14, my kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. Well, there's no pity there. In verse 15, they that dwell in my house, my maids, count me for a stranger. I'm as an alien in their sight. Well, no help there. Verse 16, I called my servants. He gave me no answer. Nobody listens to me. Nobody obeys me. Nope, no pity there. Nobody cared what he was going through. Nobody had an answer or words of comfort that would help him. Now, whenever you get down someday and really discouraged and thinking there's no purpose to live, no reason for living, read the book of Job. You can't get much lower than Job. And the Bible says, yet he maintained his integrity and he did not curse God. He even told the Lord, you can just take me on home if you want to. I'm ready to die. In verse 17, my breath is strange to my wife. In other words, she don't even get close enough to smell his breath. Probably smelled pretty bad. You know, he done already got some kind of the disease. Some said it was maybe cancer. Some said it was just big old boils all over his body. But he was sitting in an ash heap and scraping himself and his sores with broken pieces of pottery. Now, he didn't have Walgreens on the corner. I mean, this was a long time ago. Uh, Job is one of the first books written probably in the Bible. He says in verse 18, Yea, young children despise me. So it was, everybody was against him. No pity party there. Verse 19, all my Inward friends are my close friends, abhorred me. And they whom I loved are turned against me. And he hadn't done anything wrong. And sometimes it just seems like you cannot explain it. Did you know that you might even want to serve the Lord and do right, and all of a sudden your wife turns on you, your children turn on you, or your husband turns on you, your mom and law, or your dad, everybody for some reason, and you can't explain them, everybody just turns against you. And it can make you to the place where you get mean and ugly and want to fight back and take revenge and treat other people the way they're treating you. God said, patience. 
patient. Did you know that there is a God who created the heavens and the earth, and he's not too busy? That he cannot and does not give you personalized attention. He is watching over every one of us. He knows how much you can take. You say, I can't take no more. God knows how much you can take. And when you say, I can't handle any more, it's amazing. He'll dump some more on you just to show you. Yes, you can. Yeah. And that's why, and you need to learn, mm-hmm, like he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient. God gives you the grace that you need day by day. He doesn't give you the grace that you need to bear tomorrow's burdens. He gives you grace on a daily basis as you need it for this moment. When tomorrow comes, God will give you all the grace that you need to face tomorrow. And that's what we're supposed to believe. There is a God in heaven that is so concerned about every one of us that he is wise in how he uses all the problems, the headaches, the distress, and despairs of life to get us closer to him. If that's true, has he been working in your life lately? Oh, just wait then. He'll start maybe tomorrow or next week. But you can rest assured you're either coming out of a problem or you're in the midst of a problem. Or you're going into a problem, but it's, it's, a, it's a seasonal thing. And sometimes when it's springtime, you should always know summer's coming. And when it's summer, you should know that fall is coming. And when it's fall, you should know that uh, winter's coming. But when it is winter, you should know that spring is coming. In other words, see, it goes in cycles. God is always testing you. It's kind of like, you know, in a boxing ring, you know, they hit you, and then they back off, and then they hit you, and then they back off. The Lord may hit you upside the head to get your attention, and then he backs off a little bit. He says, hey, did I get your attention yet? No? Boom! How's that? And so, um, kind of like this guys were playing football, and this guy roughed the other guy, and Ref throws down that flag and says, 15-yard penalty. He says, you stink. He says, another 15-yard penalty. How do I smell now? So you see, there's always something going on. So he lost his family and his possessions. No pity there. He was afflicted, and he got no pity. Wife turned on him, got no pity. His friends turned on him, got no pity. Who is the man that needs to be pitied? I uh, want you to realize that one of the people that really needs to be pitied is a person who has a profession, but not a possession. You see, you can be a professional in a lot of things, but not possess the most important thing. Did you know that there's a lot of preachers in this world, and they uh, profess to know God, but they don't know God? Pity that man. That man needs to be pitied. Because, you see, he will talk like he knows the Lord, but he doesn't know the Lord. Uh, Do you think there's a lot of people like that? Think of all the people that go to church, and they believe that because they do this, they're going to 
possess eternal life. But you and I know that you can't possess eternal life just because you go to church and you try to do what's right because we know you can't earn it. But people profess that they know the Lord, that they love the Lord, and yet they don't know the Lord because they do not possess eternal life. The key is that you must know Christ as your Savior. You must trust Him as your Savior, as your only hope of going to heaven. Because you see, with them, pity the man that has no salvation. Pity the man that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Pity the man that not permitted to walk with God. You know, one of the greatest things I have enjoyed in my 51 years since I trusted Christ as my Savior is I have salvation to live for 51 years knowing that I can't today or in the future ever go to hell. You don't have to pity me. I possess the most important thing in all the world. I have the Holy Spirit of God living within me. That is a great possession. You see, I'm rich. I'm very rich. I have something that I cannot lose. A missionary one time says, A man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and as you give whatever you have for the cause of Christ, you can never lose it because you've laid up treasure in heaven that you will have for all eternity. I have the free gift of eternal life. How much do you think that's worth? How much is that worth? Can you put a price tag on it? Are you a rich man tonight? Or, or woman? Are you rich? You think about it, what you really possess. But there are people who profess to have what you have and don't have it. And they're going to find out one day when they leave this world that they never really trusted Christ as their Savior. And how dark of a day that's going to be when they knock at the door and says, Lord, Lord, have we not? And he says, depart from ye, I never knew you. I don't know you and you don't know me. Yeah, you can pity a lot of people, but I'd pity that man. To pity those people that will spend an eternity separated from God. You see, there's a lot of people that are living today, living without life. One guy called it dead man walking. You see, without the Lord, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. A dead man, but you're walking around. You've got human life. You've got the physical life, but you don't have eternal life. You don't have that quality of life that comes from God. So there's a lot about this present life you cannot enjoy because you don't have eternal life. Christ says, I came to give life and to give it more abundantly. We call it the abundant life. Not just that I live, but I have abundant life. Something that's really, really, really super, super good. I have Christ. And if you don't have Christ, you don't have eternal life, and you don't have life. I, I want you to look at this scripture with me. Look over there in the book 
of Colossians chapter 3. The book of Colossians. Look all the way over there in the book of Colossians. But look there in chapter 3. It says in verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And get verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life, well, wait a minute, if I'm dead, how can I have life? You and I are to be dead to this world, but alive unto God. You can't really begin to live until you know Christ as your Savior. And he says, if any man will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall find it. But if you live for anything else, then you'll lose your life. You'll lose the purpose of your life. So there's a Great lesson here. There's people who, you see, they possess eternal life, and there's those that do not possess eternal life. And the difference is night and day. It's a dead man walking. You see, when I did not know Christ as my Savior, I, I was a, a dead man, separated from God. But now that I know the Lord, I have been united with the Lord, never to be severed. So all the people in the whole world that are not united to the Lord don't have eternal life. They're all alone. They're separated from the Creator that made the heavens and the earth. And there's really nothing there. It's an empty shell. It's not knowing who you are, what you are, where you're going, what you're doing. And it leaves them totally empty. And all they have is just here and now. But you and I that know Christ as our Savior, see, we're living for eternal things. Look what he says there in verse 3. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now get this in verse 4. When Christ, who is our what? He is our life. All right, so without Christ, they do not have this life. There's a life that you and I are able to live that the lost man cannot live. He cannot have the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. He can't have it. It only belongs to his children. The fruits of the Spirit, like love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness and goodness and faith, meat and temperance, and all, those are things that belong because they come from the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. So you and I have something that the world does not, does not have. 